0: of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends, with a belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. Do you remember your first serious relationship? Whether it was a high school sweetheart, a college sweetheart, or something totally different, most of us remember our first serious relationship, especially when those relationships don't work out and someone's heart gets broken. Today in part one of a two part series, I share a conversation with a friend of mine, Lucas Garza. Lucas is in his mid twenties with a promising future ahead of him, but like most of us dealt with challenges in his past. One of those challenges include the breakup of his first serious relationship. How do you deal with the breakup of your first serious relationship? How do you deal with depression and suicidal tendencies? And how do you build your life going forward so that your past doesn't dictate or haunt your future? Listen to my friend Lucas Garza as he shares his open, honest story and Discover for Yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. Um, So first of all, I'm here with my friend Lucas Garza. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. Um, So how long have we actually known one another? several years. How did we actually meet? Was it back during the COVID days or was it before that? It must have been Hope House, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So first time
1: met you at one of those maybe a year ago. Wow. Maybe. Wow. So or maybe been long. Yeah. Because it was last year, right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. this past
0: March. No, right. Hope House yeah. was all during the, the Pandemic, COVID years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So how did I get your name and contact information? Did you uh, sign up Bar Quarter Life back then? Oh yeah. Because we weren't? Okay. Yeah,
1: oh, we originally
0: met at the Quarter Life Picnic, okay. the uh, kickoff right. picnic for the gotcha. year. Gotcha,
1: Yep.
0: Okay, um, <clears throat> so the way I like to kick this off is by using the five love languages as an introduction to who you are and how you both express and receive love. I think people just naturally like knowing how people love is central to who we are. Plus it's fun to know how you both receive and give it so for those unfamiliar with the five love languages it's based upon a book written by gary chapman that groups our ability to both express love and receive love into five love languages Um, those are physical affection quality time words of affirmation acts of service and gifts so if you're ready we'll go and jump in and uh, we'll see which ones resonate with you so first of all physical affection how important is that to you what's it look like these days What does healthy physical affection look like? A handshake, a high five, a hug, a kiss, or something more?
1: I never want to turn down a hug, so I think it's good to have those connections with people. And I grew up in a very small family too, so we weren't always, like my grandma and grandpa are very old school. so. So? I don't. I don't know if I've even ever hugged my grandpa.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that's. So how does that make you feel? Interesting. Yeah. To feel normal. Feel. I mean, when I'm with them, yeah, it feels yeah. normal. But yeah. when I see other
0: families, it's yeah. kind of like. Yeah. Ah, so what I do you know. think about these movies that uh, um, you know glorify like the affectionate side of families? Does that make the way you were raised stand out, or you feel differently about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say. It's made me more reserved of
0: a person, so. Um, so, how important do you think physical affection is to you? If you're kind of raised in an environment where it wasn't expressed that much, is it important? You just haven't had an opportunity to, to really demonstrate and show it, or is it just low on your uh, on the five love languages? I think it depends on the relationship, for sure.
1: Uh, I could. It's not like I craving
0: it, but a hug every now and then doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, absolutely, I love physical affection, I think it's awesome. Um, So who's the most affectionate person in your life these days, like if you were given out trophies for being affectionate, who would get first place and then maybe second place, and who's the most affectionate person you know? Probably my father, he's,
1: yeah, he definitely, first thing he wants to do. When he sees his family, is give him a hug, see how they're doing, um, kiss on the cheek with the you know family members, and yeah, I would say
0: he's definitely the most warming yeah, person. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's awesome. He wants to embrace you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's physical affection. The second love language is quality time. What does quality time look like to you? And do you gravitate more towards something that's active for quality time or something that's passive or both i uh, i think
1: yeah i think a good mixture like going to a park is a perfect example of quality time you can you can walk around if you want or yeah
0: sit you know and talk enjoy the scenery nature yeah so for people who don't know this is the second time that I've been at Veterans Tribute Park and probably the, the past two weeks. And it's absolutely gorgeous park out here. And today's a gorgeous day. It's a perfect day to be outside recording a podcast. So You can probably hear the kids in the background just playing on the on the toys and the swing sets and everything. They have a nice lake here, just a gorgeous, gorgeous setting. Um, so in terms of quality time, who do you spend your best quality time with these days? Is it a friend, a child? More recently, it's uh, mm-hmm. probably been coworkers.
1: Just uh, I just started up at a new job, and getting to know one another as like a management team is pretty important. Being able to you know have each other's backs during you know stressful situations at work. So when we get out of work and we go to events,
0: it's nice to just meet people and do each other out. Yeah. So I probably should have started out with having you give like a quick 30 second bio in terms of how old you are, where you work, what you think is like a top one or two things that identify who you are. Oh, sure. Who is Lucas Garza? Lucas Garza is
1: a uh, 25 year old, uh, pretty recently graduated, uh, just started working at Amazon out in St. Peter's as a area manager. Um what I like to do is uh, spend my free time in the workshop, you know, working on random coffee tables. What I'm working on right now is like a Mustang bumper-themed car hood. So, if you're interested in that, let me know. I'll send you a picture. Yeah. Uh, what else? I
0: uh, I'm interested to... in what you can put on your coffee table, like namely what I'm drinking right here, coffee. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> that's that's Make my sure beverage of coasters. choice. <laughs>
1: But uh, graduated from Missouri Baptist, um, psychology major. But not doing anything actively in the uh, mental health field. Although one day I very much want to pursue that. I uh, was on scholarship for esports. so those that don't know, that's professional gaming. Haha, yeah, yeah. very funny, very yeah. new yeah. thing.
0: So yeah. yeah. So you have golden fingers or golden direction, or whatever it is it takes to manipulate. Anybody want to race on a Word document, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the third love language is words of affirmation or encouragement or love. How important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, and acknowledged not only for what you do, but for who you are? And how important is it to hear those three simple words, I love you?
1: Um... You know, going back to that small family environment, I guess that's made me kind of a a cold on terms of saying that I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, I could go, you know, a few days without hearing it from someone. I mean, not that I don't like call my parents and talk to them regularly or, you know, the people that are in, you know, directly in that kind of area with me. I'm not waking up calling someone saying, hey. Although, that, I should. I should. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I should call my mom and just say, hey, just want to call and say, would I love you. Awesome. She'd probably appreciate uh, that. You
0: so. know what? If nothing else good came out of this podcast, that would be I'll awesome. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's good. All right. I love that. Um, so, speaking of that, um, who's the best encourager or person who affirms you the best these days? mom dad a friend a co-worker and how are you at encouraging and affirming others just by nature sure so my mom's always been
1: you know i'm a mama's boy at heart mm. she's always been mm. my number one that's you know wherever i've been she's your mentally, number one cheerleader physically huh, right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So moms are good at that yeah oh yeah so i'm blessed to grow up in such a warm environment so how about you? Are you a natural encourager? Oh, yeah! All right, second part of the question: natural encourager. Um, from a, since I'm on like the manager side of things, it is important to notice people at work. But outside of work, I mean, I do like to rally people up, and I've got a natural competitive side to me anyway. So encouraging people can also be you know competitive. So when you're how so? when you're bringing out your energy, when you're you know, that kind of confidence level. People start to they see that, and people feed off one another, especially when you're in a close vicinity. So, driving people sometimes driving yourself can do the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you incur- an, an encourage and encourage more in stuff like sports when you're on the same team with somebody, or yeah, yeah. I would say I'm
1: always trying to work out barriers and figure out okay why aren't we at this level what what is preventing that I think it's always it most of the time it's a mental barrier yeah and so moving past that or breaking them down I would say that's where my encouraging side
0: comes from yes yeah, is, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't re- remember if it was last year or maybe early this year but um I had an opportunity. I had a friend, basically, who, who paid me a compliment, kind of unexpected compliment, and it really stuck with me and resonated with me. So I um, I tried to basically do the same thing and reached out to a handful of people and um, tried to acknowledge in them what I thought was genuinely special about them. And what I discovered by doing that is that. Other than it takes being intentional about it, and maybe a, a little bit of a risk maybe reaching out to people, letting them know what you think is special about them, um, there's almost no overhead involved at all in letting somebody know, here's what I think is special about you and why. And yet, what, if it's done in a way that's honest and sincere and timely, if it, um, I think it can if it is, their love language, or e- even if it isn't one of their primary love languages, I think when it's done sincerely, I think you can really build up somebody and boost somebody. For me, it wasn't just for that day, but it carried through for the entire week. So, and During this whole COVID period where it's been difficult to actually express and show people affection, I think I actually, one of my love languages mort from uh, physical affection to being much more intentional about trying to encourage people and affirm them and let them know I love them. So. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> um, so the fourth love language is acts of service. How important are acts of service to you these days and what's that look like? Uh, and how could somebody actually serve you well in your different roles, either as an employer, a friend, a son? How could you be served well? Um, so me being served or giving back service both both okay. you're right. um, like the fact that you jumped in early on hope house i mean i thought that that was a testament to just your natural ability to want to help others out. yeah i uh it was definitely
1: it was the stars aligned where it was just like right out of college we were a pandemic you know i yeah. just started a new job a work from home job that was driving me up the walls, by the way, not being out in the world. And what was that work from home job that you originally started doing? It was TD Ameritrade, okay. um, you know, great company. If you're wanting to go into the financial industry, I have no, nothing to knock against them. Okay. But it uh, just wasn't for me. And being right out of college, young, energetic, I came from, you know, the restaurant industry. So I was used to being on my feet, being around my peers, talking with people daily. So, totally lost track. Just Just service, service, giving service, that's right. right. Yeah, so I I, uh, was looking for things to do. And uh, since I went to Missouri Baptist, they had a lot of volunteering opportunities. And after graduating, I know I wasn't as involved with that. So I started looking, found Quarter Life, found the Hope House opportunity. And that just, it felt good. Not only to know that my efforts were going towards people who really needed it, but also just so local it's so yeah. community driven yeah and now i want to just explore and find more opportunities like that which reminds me at the end of this <laughs> i need some uh some connections i will
0: give you some and, connections because uh, i want to
1: work with amazon at the same time yeah i think to try awesome. and implement some programs there and i think they'd love that's that beautiful. Yeah. i think that's
0: beautiful yeah um how important is it for you to feel like you're being served, and what would that look like? Um, Do you receive other people's acts of service well, or is it kind of uncomfortable? I uh, I would say I love receiving them. Yesterday
1: is a good example. Actually, yeah. I was uh, grabbed breakfast with a buddy, and this uh, this woman was holding the door for me, mm. and you yeah, know I, mean. I was yeah. just like, "What? Yeah. What is going on here?" Yeah. So. Yeah. You no. Know, I guess uh, I immediately grabbed the door and was like, "No, no, no, no! You get in there." I guess uh, I receive it well, but I always feel like I can reciprocate. Yeah. You know, and I maybe you look at that as an issue. I'm a bad receiver of service because I'm always. I don't know. I feel like I always there's this requirement to reciprocate, which isn't.
0: Is not gonna, a thing, and sometimes that can offend people too. Because uh, sometimes they just want to. Well, know. you make a good point because I think, like with all five of these love languages, like there's this two way component to love. Like you can offer somebody love in any one of these five love languages, but if they don't receive it well, then there it's lost something of the power of the way that that love's supposed to be expressed and received. Um, and think about it with the way God loves us. He loves us unconditionally. And if we could only receive a fraction of God's love the way he loves us, can you imagine how it would change our lives? It would just totally transform us. Um, So there's this two-way, as you say, reciprocal part of love that, um, yeah, I think it's important for us to be good receivers of love. The one thing I think that that does do is that there's a vulnerability sometimes that comes with that because... If you receive somebody's love well and we live in a broken world where they decide to go ahead and stop, pull back on that, then you can sometimes then feel the, the, the loss of having been loved maybe in a way that you used to be loved. So, so the last love language here is gifts. How important are gifts to you? Are you a gift card type of guy? Do you like to take your time, research, personalize? And lastly, what's the best gift you both given and received? Over the past, oh five, ten, fifteen 5, 10, 15 years. Sure. Um,
1: gifts for me are very... I put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. I don't just hand out, you know, a quick, Starboard oh, I got to stop. Yeah. Right. I'm not the gift card kind of gift giver, which isn't bad, you know. Right. Especially if you love coffee, then yeah, it's great. Right. People appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, I've always tried to be more intimate. Uh, something unique, just... Individualizing yeah. that process. Yeah. So, so I, with your
0: woodworking, have you made somebody like a special, like, woodwork piece of art or gift? There's been a few things. I uh, made my mom a lamp one
1: year, which I almost Indian gave when I moved out. <laughs> like, such a nice lamp. But it looks good in the room, so I was like, okay, just if you're ever going to get rid of it, let me know. <laughs> but uh, I made also a coffee table and a side table for my parents. Oh, yeah, just wow.
0: through the years and uh they still use them to this day. So. Yeah. This but, wouldn't happen to be a lamp like in the movie A Christmas Store. No. Okay. No, it's uh <laughs> on a lathe, a wood turned, nice lamp. Yeah, it's uh, although that would be a little more interesting. <laughs> That'd be interesting to give that to your parents. I'll do yeah. this Christmas. So. <laughs> there you go. How about, what's the best gift that somebody's given you? Um it's a good question. I mean,
1: probably just my parents championing me through college, just, uh, you know, I took on a lot of student debt, but there's yeah. a lot that goes into that side of things. And for them to, you know, despite me taking a year off, despite me dropping out one semester and saying, yeah. I can't do this, they stuck yeah. with me, and yeah. I would say them just being along there the entire way. That's good. That's probably the... And, you know, some people might not view that as like a gift, but more of as like a parent-type thing, but I view it as a gift. I view it as...
0: Yeah, well, I think that's awesome just because they're parents. There's no reason to still not appreciate the gifts and the, the way they love you. Speaking of that, what do you think are your parents' top one or two love languages in terms of how they express that to you?
1: I would say... My dad's definitely the embrace or mm-hmm. that one that... That's you know, awesome. Physical affection. Yeah, yeah physical affection. I love to hear that about man. And my mother, probably words of affirmation. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: yeah. yep. good. I think she lives off of encouragement. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good one-two punch to get from your parents. You know, physical affection, <laughs> and words of affirmation, that's good. <clears throat> okay, so that ends our five love languages so let's transition to talk about you and who you are right now during your current season of life how would you define or describe lucas garza thriving exactly where you want to be thriving but still a lot more that you want to accomplish or maybe stalled in between or headed in the wrong direction i would say i'm right on track i
1: think god's got me exactly where he wants me I mean, I've thought that a lot in life, it's just sometimes you don't know why he's got you where he has you, but right now it feels, I feel like I'm in a great position just having moved out, um, enjoying my job, despite the long hours <laughs> and the weekend hours, but uh, yeah, I would say I am well positioned to <laughs> explore uh things i've wanted to do whether that be writing or you know organizing things i've written and seeking out getting
0: published or uh,
1: or no exploring
0: the my, my buddy does a podcast we have a too. kids here playing with a plastic duck in the um, our speaking area <laughs>
1: go ahead but, uh, yeah, I would say I'm in a good spot right now for exploring opportunities and building off that.
0: Good. I'm pretty much like Um. So let's start at the beginning. Because I feel like uh, the beginnings, early formative years, um, whether we realize it or not, often shape us and influence us to the people that we are now. And if you have a good upbringing, then great, awesome, that shapes you into positive. Uh, if you have challenges during your upbringing, um, and sometimes you can spend years afterwards unpacking and dealing with some of the fallout and the trauma that we experience early in life. So tell me about your childhood and years as a, as a youth. What are your earliest memories as a child growing up? Good, bad, somewhere in between. Yeah,
1: I uh, put a lot of thought into this before this, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Just thinking about what I would share and help people mm-hmm. with or try and champion people that find themselves in a similar spot and. From my childhood, I grew up Sunday school every week, you know, every Sunday we were there bright and early. And was it a good thing or a bad thing? It was a good thing. I think yeah. it, it was a great thing. I, uh, you know, there'd be some mornings where maybe I didn't want to go. But sure. Yep. I mean, the fact that we were there, it just
0: made a great foundation and, uh so when you went to Sunday school, if you compare it or contrast it with, um, say, like at our church, for example, how they teach age appropriate, do you feel like you were also taught at uh, at a level that was appropriate to your age? I would say
1: it almost dived a little deeper. Okay. Um, I remember a lot of open discussions for, and we were young. We were probably like you know, the ones that the time that stands out is probably you know right around that second to fifth grade yeah. range and uh, leading up to confirmation through middle school. Um, just a lot of first dissecting a verse and uh, or a parable, and then they would ask us questions, and they would let us speak freely. And for a young person, that I'm sure they gained a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Almost as yep. much as we did. Yeah. And uh, religion at a young age, though, also... Okay, now we'll start getting into the heartstring feeling pull. But I uh, I struggled a lot mentally, just with uh, depression and self worth and confidence throughout my younger years. And I think religion, not trying to point any fingers, but I think religion had a lot to do with that. Growing up with so much emphasis on look at everything Jesus has done for you. And then me not feeling worthy. And talking about accepting love, I it was hard for me to accept that kind of gift of eternal life that
0: and there's so, so why do you think you, you wrestled or struggled with the uh, accepting the fact that Jesus basically died for you? If you would have been the only person here on earth, he would have still gone through everything that he went through. Just for right. you. Just knowing
1: I'm an eightly, a sinful creation, I, get, I, don't, I don't know why I've always found it. I mean, I've come to, you know, change that point of view. But younger age, I just, for whatever reason, I didn't think I was worthy of such a gift. I mean, and this was before I even started, you know, going down more sinful routes. Yeah, right. This was before any of that. I just... Maybe it was uh, I was too young to comprehend how people mesh in this world and how we don't know what we're going to accomplish in this life, and that there is purpose in that. You don't need to know. I, yeah. That's still one of those things where I think a lot of people struggle with this. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think you're right. right.
1: Um,
0: so when you were young like that, what do you want to be growing up? It
1: was always on the math side of things. I always thought I'd be an engineer. always wow. loved dissecting things and taking things apart and just seeing how they mechanically worked and, um, but slowly lost that motivation as I started taking on those courses. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I couldn't have done it. I just, I didn't push myself and, uh, here's a good life lesson, push yourself, because nobody in this world can make you,
0: so. Yep, amen. How, what's your favorite TV show as a kid growing up? Probably The Walking Dead. As ah. soon as that started up, I was okay.
1: right on board with that, Mm-mm. sucked in.
0: Was That That was probably back before binge watching, right? Yeah, oh
1: yeah, that was a, I had to tune in, me and a buddy would tune in every week, you know, live, you know, turn the TV on, sit yeah. through the commercials. Right. But well, we would talk about it during the commercial, so it was kind of fun. Yeah, And eventually that actually grew into a group. There'd end up, yeah. ended up being like probably a good 10 of us that would once a week just yeah
0: talking. Yeah. There's a lot of people nowadays who would, if you had to wait once a week to watch your favorite show, they would consider that to be cruel and inhumane punishment. So right. a lot of people who can't relate with that. The world's so. changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about family. What was your family life like? Um, your parents, I forget. Do you have any siblings? Two siblings. Middle child, two sisters. Um, Solid family life? Was there a divorce? No, no divorce. Um, Yeah, pretty
1: stable. Um, I mean, parents fight. That was a common thing. But it wasn't ever physical. It wasn't ever, you know, anything crazy.
0: So... um, I would say all seemed normal. So when your, your parents, when they fought in front of you, do you think they modeled how to work through disagreements well, or was it in an unhealthy manner? You know, after going through multiple
1: psychology classes mm-hmm. and uh, learning a lot, I don't think it was the healthiest. I think uh, a lot of the times the solution was to walk away, yeah. which... In my opinion, is never a good thing. I mean, it's good in the moment if you're really heated, yeah. but you need to return 10, 15 minutes later after you've taken that breath yeah. and work out what it is. Otherwise, that underlying issue doesn't go away. It hasn't been worked through. It's just been postponed.
0: Yeah. So how do you think that impacted you growing up? If that's the way you saw uh, disagreements and conflict modeled, how did that impact you as you, you grew up? It probably has a lot to do with
1: my reserve side, not being so outwardly expressive, not engaging fully, um, probably seeing a lot of just pull back from situations yeah. rather
0: than going forward, pull yeah. back and yeah. yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention, I have like a two-minute exercise where it's, I expect you to scream at the top of your voice and sing your favorite song in the middle of this podcast recording. So that, that'll help bring out some of oh your boy. more expressive more. Yeah, that should things. be interesting. <laughs> um, so what's your best or fondest memory of your mom and dad? Probably
1: the, uh, the beach trips. Huh? Probably. Yep. When you're... You know, when you're away from the work environment, when you're just surrounded with family, you're away from your at home, you know, entertainment,
0: and you're just there as a, a group, everybody just relaxed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. And how many beach trips can you remember going
1: on? When did those start? Uh, I mean, they, that was their go-to. Florida was their go-to mm-hmm. all throughout their adult life. Where'd so. you go? Dustin? Um, Navarre, Destin, um, St. Pete's, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, just anywhere along the yep. handle. Yeah. So are you a beach person, an ocean person? Or no? I, I wish we would have done more, like, uh,
1: trips in the mountains yep. or hiking or Yellowstone would have been cool. That's right. on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, beach is, beach is great. Yep. I just, I would say I'm more of a, I want to be out and
0: standing on top of a canyon, looking yeah. out. Yeah, nothing wrong yeah. with that. Definitely nothing wrong with that. Um, can you think of any challenging memories of your mom and dad? Either illness, death of a loved one, maybe a disconnect with a parent, or an addiction, or brokenness? Um. Well, my, my father came from a very broken home growing up, so
1: I feel like that was almost always a thing that was a part of him. Uh, he went... For his parents, uh, I never, I didn't meet my grandma or grandpa on his side. They both uh, passed before I was old enough. But uh, just a very abusive relationship, both physically and emotionally. Um, he grew up with three brothers, so four sons. That's a lot for a mom who is in that kind of relationship. Yeah. Not saying the dad side of things wasn't the same way, but so. Uh, Whenever, you know, birthdays would roll around for those two, or whenever a memory would trigger, it just, that emotional side of things really took a toll, and how that played into the marriage dynamics uh, between my mother and father were very different, because my mom came from that old school, very clear-cut, um, you know, they... Treated each other well. Disagreements were handled behind kind of professionally. Okay. Yeah. 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 Behind closed door. Uh, and so I think it, it was hard for them to understand those those sentiments and those. Uh, and from a kid's perspective, I guess I just didn't really understand it and so when fights would blow up and my dad would get heated and man i hope they don't listen to this (laughs) (laughs) but
0: uh yeah i i I like to ramble apparently what was the original question the original question was what is your name and how old are you oh i'm just teasing i'm just teasing (laughs) Um, so i was asking basically if you could think of any challenging memories um And again, it's not to throw mom and dad under the bus, right? Right. No mom and dad has ever been perfect. There's only one perfect person. He was nailed to a cross. All of us are broken. All of us have our issues. Um, I think what I've learned later in life is that being able to recognize both the, the strengths of my parents and then also areas maybe they were like, it's helped me to heal some of the brokenness in my life. Right. And so that's really kind of the idea of going through stuff like this is... Seeing if you're at least aware, you know, self-aware is kind of the big yeah. um, catchphrase these days, and then moving forward what you're doing to kind of deal with some of that, the brokenness from your past, so. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I guess some of that brokenness then would
1: just be the uh, conversation side of it. How, how to have a healthy conversation, and instead of blowing things out of proportion, mm. instead of leaving leaving the discussion with that last jab rather trying to figure out why are we even jabbing in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was just relationships in general for me have been kind of a whirlwind. Um, and I've seen it in my older sister as well. It's She's just now in one of the healthiest relationships I've yeah. seen.
0: And how old her is your upbringing. sister?
1: She's, I want to say, 27. Okay. 20, Do you want to say, or she, is she actually 27? is 25? 27. <laughs> she's, I think, 27. Yep. <laughs> I mean, as the years go on, she's <laughs> kind of like...
0: Ah, 27. <laughs> now, you'll be afraid of her. I don't want her to hear I'm saying her age on a podcast. <laughs> uh, and so, you said you had two siblings. Okay. Yeah. You have a sister of 27. How about uh, your other sibling? 27. Uh, 20 20 yeah she turns 21 (laughs) this year yeah Uh, and how do you get along with your siblings are they both sisters both sisters so (laughs) that was always you know i wish i had a brother
1: but it's what it is what it is Um, i would say uh
0: much more sensitive than i didn't grow up in a football family that's for sure yeah um do you think growing up with sisters did that help you at all in terms of at an early age, knowing how to relate to girls, how to relate to women, no, or not? No, I, I don't guess. think there's any fully
1: understanding <laughs> the woman mind. You haven't or, read
0: enough books yet, or yeah, experienced enough siblings or cousins. To, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, uh,
1: I would a, say it helped a little bit, on terms of you know, one-on-one, you know, it, I'm still, I mean, there's no figuring anything out, and yeah, relationships are very individualized anyway I don't think as um, much you could be around gurus of yeah no, of women right. growing up I don't right. think yeah
0: it's gonna there is no one magic formula that's going to, to guarantee our sure success um, what I discovered is I grew up family of five three bro- I had two brothers and two sisters And that my sisters, when we were young, they were kind of off doing their own thing. And I was always out, like, playing sports or fighting or karate or football with my brothers. And so we definitely built a stronger relationship growing up. And then it wasn't until we got older that I began to appreciate some of the the different qualities of my sisters. Where we could basically have conversations as, you know, when we were in our teens and tweens, I was more focused on my brothers and not so much on my sister's. So, sure. Um, so, in terms of school, tell me about your grade school, high school, college years. What were those like? Were they fun years, challenging years? Were you popular, unpopular? If you were popular, did you fit into some sort of clique, like sports, academics? Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I would say elementary school.
1: Uh, you know, I was probably in with the hip crowd. But Whoa! And I mean, what was a hip
0: crowd at that time?
1: just people who had energy and wanted to do sports mm-hmm. right okay i mean a lot of kids it's we you call know, those you want to have the, the best team when I yeah exactly yeah. you just want to when you're out at p you know when you're doing whatever sport yeah i mean you notice you know yeah. the strong players even though nobody says anything really as a kid like you still you, you don't to gravitate right. towards yeah yeah you don't want to be picked last for like kickball or yeah something exactly like that exactly right. so that was a good crew going into middle school that was a hard transition for me um because that's when you know you start taking on the challenge courses which i was enrolled for all challenge i think my first mm-hmm. year um i think after the first quarter i dropped out of a couple of them yeah stuck with science and Language arts. I'm
0: trying to remember. I don't know. Yeah. But whose idea was it that you take the challenge courses? Was it your idea? Was it your parents' idea? Did you feel like there was any type of? Uh, there's a difference, I guess, between encouragement versus pressure, and sure. I'm re- not really sure how you separate the two. But I, were you encouraged, pressured to take classes like that? I was definitely
1: pressured. Okay. Um, like when you know signing up for classes, I didn't really. I didn't really pick any of them out. It was more mm-hmm. of a it was <clears throat> pre-designed for me. Yeah. I was just given the schedule, saying, "Hey, go uh, go get it." Ah, ah. and uh,
0: so your parents basically chose a class as far classes for you. Yeah, okay. I
1: mean, give or take the electives. Yeah. The electives were a lot more my choice, but yeah. in terms of challenge, yeah, I was just put right into all challenge, just assuming that I'd you know run with it. Yeah, and. I uh, I just didn't dive into it you know yeah. I a lot of kids you know they have that eagerness to want to just if I can't master it how do I master it yeah and so were you an
0: A student B student C student
1: I was definitely definitely B student um, once they took homework away I turned more into the low B mm. high C range mm
0: when they take homework
1: away holy schmoly that was up into high school i think Uh it was sophomore year when they said homework's no longer gradable wow and that's you know my grades immediately dropped uh, those were also the years that i started getting in with a more laid-back
0: crew yeah i guess (laughs) that's a nice way to put it so let's talk about that in terms of um peer pressures during school um it could be anything from relationships, unhealthy relationships. It could be alcohol, drugs, sex. Um, like we talk academics, you know, pressure sure. to perform academically. Um, what sort of peer pressures did you face? Um, first time I was around alcohol
1: in like a friend environment was eighth grade, um, and I was hesitant at first, but then as you know, I, as I saw people drinking and getting goofy, yeah. You know, it was easy to just try it and fortunately I took a step back, you know, going into high school I uh, I was able to disconnect from that up until for a couple years at least and uh, freshman sophomore year being a reserved person also in a school that my main clique in middle school went to ended up at Eureka And I actually, you know, talked to my parents a lot, like, hey, can I go to Eureka? Yeah. And uh, that didn't work out. So going into high school with my main crew at a, you know, different school. That was kind of
0: weird. You know, this is a question I have to ask you because you're from St. Louis, but where did you go to high school? Lafayette. Okay. All right. So great school. Thumbs up. Okay. Great school. All right. Um but, so, eighth grade to be the first time that you um, tested or sampled alcohol, Yeah. Um, what type of impact did that make on you? I mean, it just opened it up, right?
1: Yeah. Like once you do something for the first time, the second time's easier. True. Um, yeah. And Were your parents aware of it? No. Okay. No, they had no, clue. no yeah. clue. A lot of the, I don't know if it was uh, so much they weren't aware or turning the blind eye.
0: Yeah, um, sometimes happens.
1: Yep. Yeah, but uh, that's where I would first try it. And then uh, freshman, sophomore year, no problems. I was getting good grades, um, was starting to take those engineering courses, and I loved them. Uh, junior year old around. That's when I was put into my first serious relationship. I also started smoking um, at that time and marijuana, mm-hmm. so we're yep. not just talking about nicotine. Um, so starting to hang around those that environment, and immediately, I mean, my grades plummeted. I was struggling to pass all my classes, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I was doing fine in math and science, I always did fine in. Um, I was getting B's without doing any homework, which says that, you know, red flag, like, why wasn't I in a higher tier class doing homework, yeah, right? Right. But it was just the environment I was in. And also being in a relationship that wasn't the healthiest, um, that went on for nearly three years, that uh, it's a long time. took a toll and just a... I guess one of the things that I wanted to touch on was really the importance of holding out for marriage on terms of sexuality and, you know, just, you know, exploring those things is, uh, at such a young age, you're so vulnerable. You really are. Amen. Amen. And so after I graduated high school, she was a year younger and, uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, uh. This is when I started doubting myself a lot. Um, I uh, wasn't pursuing that engineering route any longer. I did the A-plus program, fortunately, so I was able to go to St. Louis community for two years and kind of figure out where to go from there. But uh, then that first year of college is when we split up and she, uh, she said, you need To just see someone, you need to work out this depression that she, uh, noticed. And going back to childhood, I would say it would have been nice to have someone to talk to about self-worth and confidence, um, growing up. Uh, it's hard to identify that, I guess, but. um, So what do you
0: think about the idea of getting counseling, um. There was a time and season in my life where I would have thought that counseling equates with weakness and that, you know, um, shouldn't do it as a guy, as a man. Uh, and now over the years, I've come full circle on that. I don't see anything weak, but so I think it's necessarily not only to occasionally get counseling, but to be a part of like good, healthy groups like men's groups or a mentoring relationship um, because I think it's so important to how we develop. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
1: I, uh I viewed it as not a, not opposed to it, yeah. but yeah, I think at that point in my life, I was just open to trying anything right. because clearly, did ah, you go? Get, did
0: you actually get counseling?
1: I yeah, I actually ended up going through three different therapists, mm-hmm. um, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I was on meds, and yeah, that was a a blurry couple of years. Mm. And no. I think uh, that is really the hardest time for for young adults though, is figuring out what's the next step in life, yeah. you know, school's either wrapping up or you're pursuing a route in school yeah. and how to identify what you want to do is, it's a hard thing to battle with. And uh, So you were 19 or 20
0: when this was taking place?
1: It was probably, yeah, eighteen nineteen okay. is when I yeah. was doing all the therapy. Um, I think uh, it was either 19 or 20 when I made my first attempt on my own life. Yeah. And that's when things really, you know, jump started or like, you know, just put me in a mindset of what's going on. Like, yeah. uh, just talking through what is it about life that, doesn't interest me, or you know, well, why do I feel it's my it's me that should take my life into my hands and not God? Yeah. And this is something I still that's still like a it's hard fine line to walk along because you know suicide is a, a prevalent thing. Um, especially in young adults and how do you talk to the families about that and how where God lies in on that and how do you believe God handles those kinds of things and having been through a lot of it i think i think not to say that there's predestination but i think God's plan for everybody is so complex that we're not meant to understand it so if somebody was meant to be taken from this earth at a certain time it's it really is God calling them back to them if they have that relationship with him. Yeah. And, uh,
0: um, so take us through that. What was it that got you to the point where you felt like um, not being around, not living, taking your own life would be a solution or an option to the problems that you have? And why am I here talking to you today as opposed to you not being here? Part one of my episode with Lucas Garza ends here. We'll pick back up with the answer to this question and the conclusion of Lucas's story on the next episode of Real Friends. To all our listeners in Podville, thank you for being loyal listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. I look forward to sharing more real-life stories with each one of you in the future. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Real Fred.